Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and uh, the man I have on today has his own rival podcast that we're battling with atop the charts in Sweden, and uh, and he's definitely the first person we've ever had on the show that's recording from overseas. It's uh, it's my good buddy Uffe Bodin. Uffe, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Thanks a lot. It's uh, it's a true honor to be the first, oh, uh, I guess, non. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, Did something go wrong? No, no, no. It's great. It's uh, it's uh, it's funny because we were discussing having you on the show for I feel like a few months now, and then every time we we were about to record, something would happen with either me or you, and we have to keep pushing it back. So it became a running joke for for you and I, but we're finally getting around to doing this thing. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of uh, it's been a long time, but uh, eventually it turned out okay. Yes, it turned out okay. Um, so you just got back from Russia, where you were covering the the World Championships that recently came to an end, and that means you're a, you're a pretty lucky devil because you got to see both Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine up close and personal. So, uh, and I thought it would be a good place to start. We're just kind of discussing that tournament and what you saw from those guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they had their showdown uh, in Helsinki at the World Juniors uh, to start the year, and uh, now this was like uh, chapter number two. Yeah. So it was quite, quite, uh, quite interesting to see them both up close and uh, see what kind of special players they are. Because you know what, I feel like no matter who uh, Toronto Maple Leafs decides to pick, I don't think you could go wrong with either one. It's just like a matter of uh, taste. Uh, if you want to go with a centerman or you want to go with like the like the winger mm-hmm. so uh i mean just patrick line is such a monster out there i mean he's yep. got the like ovechkin release and uh great skater uh, someone said he, he reminded them of mario lemieux it's it's been a bit too long i can't remember like, what <laughs> mario lemieux was like but that's quite, quite a uh, I mean that's that's quite a really to to be mentioned in, in that kind of company is yeah. pretty huge and uh, Matthews is uh, such a durable center. I mean he plays beyond his years. I mean you, you watch him and, and you feel like he's uh, twenty five and you realize he has turned eighteen. So uh, two two extraordinary young players. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting because we're going to have this debate leading up to June 24th in Buffalo when, when Toronto finally has to decide. And I think you're right. It, it, it's it's going to be pretty hard for them to mess this one up because both guys are going to be are going to be great players. But it's interesting because Matthews has been this guy that we've just sort of considered the automatic number one pick for I don't even know how long. It's definitely been over a year now. I feel like even before last year's draft, people were talking about this as the Matthews draft. And, and sometimes it's easy to... Um, people kind of get bored of talking about the same stuff and just taking it for granted. So when a guy like Line A bursts onto the scene this year and and has an electric performance in the World Juniors and his team wins gold, and then he has a really good performance for his SM Liga team during the playoffs, and then all of a sudden he's named MVP and best forward at this World Championship tournament, it's, it's easy for people to kind of... He's like the shiny new toy where people are getting really excited about him. Not necessarily that he shouldn't be the first overall pick, but I, I'm just wondering whether it's a little bit of people sort of uh, a little bit of a recency bias where people are just kind of uh, getting a bit too excited about line and forgetting about how good Austin Matthews also is himself. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, of course, what Lion has done this season is like extraordinary. It's almost unique. I, I can't think of any 18 year old that's had this kind of success uh, this early in his career. At the same time, like Matthew scored 24 goals in 36 games in, in uh, the Swiss League. And that, I mean, I can tell you, it's not too many players that are capable of doing that. So uh, you have to you have to keep that in mind as well. And also, I think people over here tend to be biased towards the Finn, obviously, because, you know, uh, cultural <laughs> yes. thing, I, I guess. Uh, but I think, obviously, we've seen much more in, in Sweden and obviously Finland of, of uh, Leinen than we have of Matthew. So it's kind of hard to compare. And also, if you look like uh, during the World Championships, what kind of players Leinen was playing with. I mean, Alexander Barco was amazing. And Jussi mm-hmm. Jokinen had a great tournament. Those are two top players. Well, Matthews on a rather, I mean... The American team at the World Championships wasn't much uh, much of a team, really. Right. Uh, I think uh, Matthews was by far their best player. So, uh, I mean, you have to take that in in into the to the equation as well. Well, you, you mentioned that people uh, people in Sweden are more partial towards Line A because uh, it, you know it, it's sort of a closer to home thing, and you're and you're sticking with your guy. But I always thought that there was a, a at least a little bit of a, a Sweden Finland rivalry. Is is that just sort of a, the fact that he's at least kind of closer to home or, or trumps that, or is there is there a little bit of a wish we wish this guy was uh, Swedish instead? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, Jesse Poljärv is actually born in Sweden. <laughs> so that that kind of stinks a yes. bit, but but uh, when it comes to line, I think you know people that appreciate hockey, they appreciate you know talent, no matter where you're from. And obviously, with with guys such as Line, I mean, it's it's easy to to get impressed with what he's done this year. So. I think uh, if uh, Team Finland would have played Sweden, I think it would have been uh, a completely different matter. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but I mean, as it stands now, I think people are just impressed with what an 18-year-old has done at the world stage. Yeah, I think it was a, the World Championships as a whole was, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if it necessarily gets the attention it deserves over here because it's going on at the same time as the playoffs and people, and it's sort of on at slightly weird hours and people aren't necessarily following it as closely as they should be. But at least in recent years, it's been a lot of fun seeing some of these top prospects, um, kind of show what they're capable of before they're ever even really playing at the NHL level. And, and it is good hockey. I mean, it's a, it's a 
lot of the top players from over here and combining with with players overseas and it's interesting to see how they mix so i don't know i, I imagine it was a pretty fun tournament to cover for you yeah uh, except sweden really sucked but uh, that's another <laughs> question <laughs> no but the funny thing was like uh, you don't see too many north american riders at these uh, tournaments actually but this year you know uh, mike trico so uh, Post Media News was there, Ryan Dixon from uh, Sportsnet, and then a bunch of other North Americans. So that was kind of funny to see, you know, what uh, Matthews versus Line Hype really, uh, it, it seemed to turn a lot of heads over there. So I think uh, the ratings uh, were probably a bit better than, than they usually are. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. Uh, okay, well, let's spin it forward then and discuss the the World Cup a little bit because it's obviously a ways away, but I think the 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 finalized rosters are going to be announced any day here and and people will start talking about it again slowly are, are people overseas excited about this thing or, or are they kind of uh begrudging the, the fact that there's it doesn't look like there's going to be any more uh competitive olympic hockey instead of this stuff well we'll see about that but i think people just in general are, are uh, happy to see like finally get the chance to see best on best because mm. that's what's missing from the world championships yes. you're always i mean the whole tournament is basically, you know, uh, everyone is waiting for, you know, which uh, Swedish uh, NHL player would show up this time. Who will say? Who will say no? That's kind of half of the half of the discussion leading up to the tournament. So, uh, I mean, just just to see like the best players, uh, you know, go head to head. I think that's just uh, pure excitement for everyone. Yeah, and I think. You know, right right now it's easy because it's so far uh, into the future. Uh, a few months, it's so far into the future uh, where, where people are like, oh, we don't really care about the World Cup. It, it's a thing that Rogers Sportsnet, who, you know, I, I might be biased, <laughs> happens to be my employer, uh, are, are peddling to try and get ratings and keep discussion going. But I think that as we get closer to the date, uh, people are going to start getting excited, especially since around that time in September, it's it's been a few months without any, any real hockey to watch and, and you're just going to be craving it no matter what so seeing some of these top guys uh get back into action before the season starts is, is probably going to be a pretty fun thing absolutely and i don't know i was kind of skeptical towards the notion of having like a team europe and under 23 team but now you know the under 23 team that i really think it's a nice idea i think mm-hmm. it's going to be great fun to watch you know all the youngsters and, and the speed that they're gonna put on the ice it's going to be amazing to see Yes, that's going to be a lot of speed. And, and speaking of speed, that's a, a great transition point to discuss uh, Nicholas Cronwall's inclusion. <laughs> on this. Oh, I can see that one coming from miles. Yeah, you set that one up. Um, so listen, I don't want to spend necessarily too much time on this because it might not ultimately matter. We don't know how he's going to be used or how much he's going to play because it's pretty clear that I guess you could argue Lundqvist is the strength of this team just because he's probably the best goalie in the world. But uh, other than that, their, their strength really is this blue line where uh, they have some of the world's best guys back there that can really do everything amazingly well. And so he might not even necessarily crack the lineup. And if he does, he might play minimal minutes or or he might be playing with a guy that's so good they can they can and kind of drag him along for the ride anyways but it's weird like what I, I saw this coming when they were announcing the roster just because there is hockey's is known for this uh sort of you know character leadership veteran experience oh, yes. sort of thing and and uh so it, it makes sense on that front but just based on some of the other names that could have been picked instead of him it, it strikes yeah. me as a very baffling decision yeah, at this time we don't know yet what the, who the last defenseman is going to be. But you have like three guys like Matthias Ekholm, Hampus Lindholm, and Jan Klingberg, and you know at least two of those guys are not going to play, and that's a shame really because they were all three 
on their own merit really good defensemen. So that feels uh, it feels uh, really really wrong. That's that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's so. I mean, the the Hedman Strawman pairing seems to be uh, as big of a no brainer as you can get based on how good they look together for the Lightning. And then and then you can you can mix and match with Carlson and Jalmerson and and OEL and and it, it's it's I think that it's an interesting question of whether you're going to play Klingberg or or Hampus Lindholm. I think both guys have to be on this team just based on how good they've been. But yeah, you're right. Like a guy like Matthias Ekholm, it, it kind of sucks a little bit for him because he probably should be on this team, but he's going to be left at home watching it instead because Cronwall's uh, being rewarded for all the work he's done in his career as opposed to with the player he actually is these days. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, it's not like I know Team Sweden, that's exactly what they're saying. Like he, he's, he's getting this position, uh, I mean, based on like leadership qualities and you have to question that because I think there's so many players that have done so much. I mean, of course, they're maybe not old like he is, but they, they've still played Stanley Cup finals. They've played Olympic final and, you know, right. a bunch of stuff. So I don't think like leadership, I'm not sure what that means really mm. in this, in this, uh, I mean, on the ice. Well, uh, I think, uh, I think the guys have what it takes. And I mean, just in the locker room, I don't know. Yeah, okay, it's a short tournament, but is that really that important? Well, Uffe, know. Uffe, you know, you know what leadership is in these cases. It's um, he's going to show all the other guys what not to do. He's going to he's going to do it. And he's going to be like, "Don't do what I just did." Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, it's no question that uh, I mean he's been a good defenseman, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But you know, you could see from his numbers that he's declining, and he's declining fast. This past season was a, a drag, and you know, he, he's got issues with his knees and, and obviously the speed is going to be I mean they're going to play the, the under 23 theme for, for Christ's sake and yeah. you know I, I don't want to I don't even want to know how, how's, yeah. how that's going to look when, when you know Dylan Larkin and some of those guys are on the ice against him yeah maybe they're uh, they're hoping that Larkin's going to take it easy on him because they are teammates still at the yeah. NHL <laughs> level so that's uh, their one advantage there but no you're right and and the leadership thing is kind of curious because while the blue line is is fairly young I mean most of these guys are sort of in their mid-20s in their prime so it's not like they're yeah. they're complete youngsters but okay let's let's say they are a slightly younger group I, the, I look at this forward group and it's mostly built off of quite a few veterans who have been playing in world championships and Olympics exactly. and won Stanley Cups and competed at, at the highest level so it strikes me as a bit of an odd move that you'd even kind of burn a roster spot on a guy like that yeah and i mean even if if uh, eric carlson victor hedman and Oliver Larson, even if they're like 25 they're still players that have you know they wear their assistant captains on their nhl team so obviously yep. they must have something uh, you know going for them leadership wise so yeah it's it's curious case i i agree so it's good to see Hedman on here, and it, and then I, that sounds like a no brainer just based on how remarkable he's been in the playoffs so far, and we'll discuss that in a little bit. But I think people remember that he wasn't there for Sochi, and I don't know. I guess you can answer this better for me, but I, I just always assumed that it was related to some sort of tension about not participating for the for the country at the World Championships, as opposed to something based on his player or or what happened there. Why wasn't he on the team? He actually he played the World Championships in uh, two thousand and twelve mm-hmm. uh, here at home 
the Stockholm. And things didn't turn out well. He had a rough tournament and got some criticism that maybe wasn't really fair from the coach. And I guess it stemmed a bit from that. But also you had you had that one uh, leadership uh, you know player in Hendrik Talinder that uh, the coach really wanted to bring along. I don't know if he was going to be a share leader or something, but for some reason they they picked him instead of Hedman, and that was like something we all scratch our head about. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was incredibly bizarre. And obviously, you know, that team did really well and made it all the way to the final and, and uh, competed admirably. But it, it was just, it, it, trust me, everyone, not just people in Sweden, thought that was a, a pretty bizarre move. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he put uh, all the Rickman Larsen was pretty much benched, benched the whole tournament. Yep. So that was another thing that people were kind of mad about. Mm. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to throw a, a handful of names at you here and you, and you tell me which guys you like for this team up front. Um, so based on guys that haven't been announced for the team yet, we've got Carl Haglin, uh, Patrick Hornquist. Gus Nyquist, um, I don't know, you can go Marcus Johansson, Michael Backlund, Victor Rask, Mika Zabinajad, or maybe some guys I haven't even mentioned yet that haven't been necessarily announced to the team yet, which uh, I think there's like three or four spots they can fill left with those guys. Uh, which ones do you, which ones are you bringing if you're making the team? Uh, I think Nyquist uh, is one. I, I was unsure of him because his season with the Red Wings wasn't what we were hoping for. I think he scored 17 goals after scoring 27 the year before. So, uh, But he, he had a strong world championship, uh, one of the few Swedes that actually came to play. So I like what he did, and I think... Uh, I'm hopeful that he could, you know, create some kind of chemistry with with Sederberg. Mm-hmm. Another guy I really like for maybe a fourth line is uh, Jacob Silverberg. I think he really uh, he really came around late in the season and started scoring some goals. And I think he played really well with Ryan Kessler down the stretch. So mm-hmm. that's a guy I'm bringing on. And I'll, I mean, both Hornquist and Haglin, you know, see what they've done for the Penguins this uh, playoff. So uh, I think. Those two guys are probably uh, shooing. I think the the curious one is uh, what to do with a like. You have a four flying center. Do you want to go like with a defensive guy like Kruger, or mm. do you feel like you want to go with some someone who's got uh, some scoring punch? Maybe Carl Soderberg or Sibeniad, Raquel um, Backlund. It's that that one is. Uh, I think that one is going to be interesting to see which way they lean. Yeah, it's always interesting these in these short tournaments because I feel like you know sometimes uh, they can really overthink it with trying to build a hockey team from top to bottom and going okay yeah. these are our fourth line guys. But I think that when you have as much talent as you do to choose from for a for a, a team like this, I think you really just got to take all the best guys you can and and just hope that things fall into place and it works out because you never know what situation you're going to be in, right? Like it would be it would be great to have a guy like Marcus Kruger, for example, if you're defending a lead all game but let's say you need to score some goals and you're down early all of a sudden you'd love to have a guy like uh, maybe like a Carl Soderberg as you mentioned who can help generate yeah. more offense so you never know what situation you're going to be in and you just kind of I always go is just take the most talented guys you can and just hope it all works out yeah I mean there's so many good I mean two-way players on on the roster as it stands mm-hmm. so I, I don't think like do you really need that, that 
I mean, fourth line plug really? Yeah, I don't think so. I think yeah. you're right on point there. Like you, you, you need someone. You need players on all four lines that can score because you know you're gonna you're gonna have opponents like especially Canada who's gonna have that kind of threat. You know, no matter what line they have on the ice. I mean, I remember I think it was last Olympics. I think Jeff Carter played like third or fourth line. I think he ended up being the best scorer. So. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you're right. Case in point, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then in net, uh, it's it's obviously Henrik Lundqvist. And if uh, if he doesn't play well or if he gets injured, well, then um, I guess maybe there's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's interesting because i always you know you think of this of, of the swedish goalie factory and and uh it's it's a big topic of discussion here in canada because obviously you have the holtbys and the prices but then after that there hasn't necessarily been this next wave of guys that have come along and, and have shown any sort of of real potential yet in terms of canadian goalies and i was looking at the list of of, of active active swedish goalies and there's some intriguing prospects on the way but it, it seems like that kind of of next generation of guys whether it's the Markstroms or the Lenners or I yeah. guess Enroth was never really considered a big prospect by any means but like let's say like go with like an Eddie Lack or something it feels like these guys have sort of I don't want to say disappointed but not necessarily lived up to the uh the big expectations they had as prospects coming to the NHL no you're absolutely right I mean Markstrom was uh, we all I think we all saw him as you know the next Lundqvist and mm -hmm. He struggled, but he seems to be on the right path now. The, the only problem is he played for the Vancouver Canucks, so that's going to be a bumper ride no matter what. <laughs> but uh, you're absolutely right. I, I thought at this point we would have, have at least another first-string goal in the NHL, and basically we haven't. So uh, we'll see. I, I still feel there's hope for Robin Leonard. Uh, although all these injuries might, uh, you know, hamper him. Uh, and Eddie Lack, I don't know, he had a rough season with the Hurricanes. So uh, I, I guess a guy like Linus Ulmark, you know, who played quite a few games with the Buffalo Sabres, I'd say actually right now he seems like the most promising guy to me that, that has that potential to be a number one in the NHL. But other than that, uh, I guess you can say that a lot of prospects really have been a disappointment. Mm. Yeah, no, it's uh, Allmark looked good in his limited time with with the Sabers, and it wasn't necessarily the greatest situation for him. But yeah, no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this next crop develops. I, I'm personally, based on the the limited draft research that I did heading into the draft last year, like a guy like Felix Sandstrom, for example, everything I read about him sounded like like he's going to be an amazing goalie prospect. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be uh, new names that crop up in the next few years, but but we still have to kind of wait for that to happen. Absolutely. I, I still feel, feel like Finland is way ahead of us mm. uh, right there. Yep, yep. Now they are. Um, okay, so we were discussing Hedman a bit earlier, and I, th I feel like, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't spend at least a few minutes here just, just discussing about how remarkable he's been in this postseason. I mean, it, it's it's not a surprise by any means just because he was amazing during last year's postseason, and of course, uh, he's been a very consistent regular season producer, but it, it seems like, especially early on in the playoffs with Strawman being out with injury, he really, uh, they gave him a workload that we've never really seen seen him play before where he was playing nearly 30 minutes a night and and he was just handling it so admirably well that i don't know i, I i'm sure you've been kind of watching from afar just marveling at how amazing he's been 
Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. I mean, before the season, we all felt, you know, having last year's postseason in mind that this guy could really win the Norris Trophy. And uh, I think the big difference is, well, he's not getting the power play time, you know, that certain other uh, defensemen is, are getting. And also, you know, like you said, the workload, I mean... During the uh, the regular season, I don't think he had more like than 23, maybe 24 minutes. And that's pretty low considering what kind of, I mean, for an elite defenseman in the NHL at least. So yeah. I guess uh, that has been to his disadvantage really. And, and I feel like maybe it's time to, to give him some more room because uh, he seems to play better once he gets, you know, like uh, almost up to half an hour of, of game time. Yeah, no, he's uh, and, and it, it makes sense. I mean, you just look at him physically; he seems like definitely the type of guy who could, with his build, you know, log those minutes and not necessarily get injured and, or or slow down based on wear and tear. And and uh, the thing I marvel at when watching him is is the size is obviously you know people, especially here in North America, just love their defenseman to be big and strong no matter what. But it's how smooth he is as a skater and how slick he is as a passer. Where it seems like a guy that big shouldn't be able to do a lot of the stuff he does with the puck and with his with his skating but he just makes it look so effortless yeah you're absolutely right and i think that's that's the most amazing thing with him he, uh from what i understand he he's been uh he's changed a lot of things in his uh, preseason training and i think that's helped him he works with a guy uh named hans jonsson who used to be a defenseman on the pittsburgh penguins mm-hmm. and uh that practice that they're doing together, I think it's really, uh, he's really benefited from that because he, he's become so much stronger in, in so many, so many areas that maybe before he wasn't. So uh, I feel like, uh, you know, the sky is really the limit for what he can uh, achieve. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. And listen, I, when I was prepping for the show, I was rereading this article he wrote for the, uh, the player's tribune back in February. And yeah. if, if someone's <laughs> listening to this right now and hasn't read it, I would definitely recommend just, just click pause or just keep listening to us, whatever. We already have your download. It doesn't matter, but just go, uh, <laughs> just, just go, just go read this article because it's, it's a really fun read where he discusses sort of his adjustment to the NHL and, and how different the game is compared to, uh, the one over, season and sort of I, I love the the part where he talks about the the small town he came from and of course it's it been been known as such a hockey factory producing all these legendary players but the, the population itself is so small and just how uh, they've been able to continue churning out these guys so I uh, I don't know I'm, I'm sure you read that article yourself yeah it was really funny actually so yeah, yeah. Guy. um so it got me thinking because let's pull the pull back the curtain a little bit here it's early in the a.m for me i'm I'm here sipping my coffee and and you're about to have dinner soon i imagine if you haven't already yeah. the, the, the time difference is huge so yeah what's it what's it like trying to keep up with the nhl game over there because i think it's uh for someone like myself it's pretty easy to kind of just take for granted because you know at night there's nothing else really going on of course i'm going to put on the game and watch it and and follow along online but uh, it it must be weird when it's on at such crazy hours in the middle of the night and so early in the morning i i I guess the all the recent technology makes it a lot easier but i don't know what what's it like being a fan of the nhl overseas Oh, it's a struggle, I tell you. <laughs> no, but you have to be really dedicated yep. to uh, to be able to, you know, follow as closely as some people do. I mean, staying up in the middle of the night. I mean, I work with this and I, I don't get to see as many games as I would 
like to not even close uh, so I guess you know the week the early weekend games that's kind of uh, our uh, hockey night in Canada <laughs> or hockey night in Sweden like getting getting a chance to, to watch some of those East Coast games and maybe uh, you know uh, 6 uh, 7 p.m. in the evening that's that's gold for us because uh, that's like uh, that's like the closest thing we get uh, personally uh, you know I, I try to catch some games here and there I try to catch you know uh, watch uh, maybe uh, during the morning when I get up they have a lot of reruns and obviously as you as you said like with the technology today you can just basically watch any game over and over again so it makes it much easier I mean when I grew up uh, in the middle of the 90s uh, you had to wait like two days to even get the results because like before internet it was like a newspaper and they had like uh, the results from two days ago so like all the trades and, and you know the the results and, and stuff like that you had to wait a few days for it. so I mean technology technology has really uh, given us an advantage in, in this day and age so it's it's completely different but it's still the, the time difference is, is a problem no, no that's true yeah well I, I think the, the devotion point is a good one because I, I think that a lot of the the fans overseas that I interact with on Twitter for example are are you can tell right away they're like the the most devoted one percent of of the entire population right where they're exactly. they're, they're staying up at, at they're, they're following the games live as they're happening and yeah. pretty much anytime I tweet anything they're instantly like the first ones to reply and and and, and pull, <laughs> pull up stats and, and and you know if I ever say something about a Swedish player it's all of a sudden being retweeted by hundreds of hundreds of people it's it's it's, it's pretty cool it's it's great that you know with, with a, something like twitter we can sort of interact and bridge that gap whereas we never would have necessarily we, we certainly would not have been doing this podcast but we never would have even uh been kind of trading thoughts and growing as hockey minds before so so i think that's the the kind of the coolest part of it all yeah absolutely i mean we learn so much more about the sport uh, you know especially i mean with the work that you guys like you do it's it's amazing i mean a few years ago uh, i mean I, you know i, I thought it had a, i thought it was a pretty sharp hockey mind i mean <laughs> I, i've been i've been playing and i've been working in this industry for quite a while but you know this this new i mean the new analytics and stuff like that it's really opened my eyes and, and today I, I can you know thanks to guys like you dimitri actually i can say that i, I watched the, the sport in, in a completely other fashion than I would otherwise. So yeah, it's been amazing. Well, so I, I did want to ask you that. I, we'll discuss your podcast in a second, and, and you had me on a few months ago, and, and we discussed this there. But just to repeat it for the people that didn't necessarily listen, what what's the has the analytics movement reached uh, like the Swedish hockey league, for example? Is there are there teams uh, that are you know using this stuff to help with their personnel decisions and and how they're approaching all their moves, or is it still uh, a big work in progress? Well, I can't speak for for like every team in the league, but I know uh, quite a few of them actually have hired uh, analytics people to help them out, and and uh, like uh, Frölunda, the team that won, a friend of mine is actually working there and doing really good work for them. So uh, kudos to him and kudos to them for being you know open minded about this. Uh, I know, uh, I mean, you have you. And many other of your peers, you have, you know, uh, you have met like the people that, that don't believe in this and they can be pretty persistent. But uh, it's, the, it's the same thing here. You know, some people don't want to 
don't want to understand this. They, they want to do things like they've always done things. So uh, it's always like uh, resistance, but uh, some some teams uh, really have taken this to heart, and I think they're getting rewarded for it as well. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's it's great to see. I I, I know exactly who you're talking about with the uh, with the Frolanda hire. So, uh, no, that, that, it's it's exciting times, man. And uh, what else is going on with Swedish hockey these days? Are are people over Moto being relegated yet? Has anyone has anyone checked on Peter Forsberg recently? Uh, I don't think anyone dares to call him. You know, <laughs> he had such a outburst there when they when yeah. they got relegated. So uh, I guess it's tough on him and it's tough on the whole city up there because like these guys they live and breathe hockey up there so I feel really bad for them at the same time the, the team's been kind of mishandled of late and I guess this is what happens when you, you don't you know you don't uh, go about your business the right way so uh, I mean it's a lesson to be learned and hopefully they can you know just uh, uh, control all delete it and you know start all over again yeah yeah well he i mean forsberg sure just um <clears throat> showing up to the game wearing that and you see that video where he put on the wig and a little bit of makeup and and yeah, yeah. <laughs> your link team he should have just uh gone undercover with that one <laughs> exactly amazing um all right man Ufa, it's been a lot of fun uh this is the part of the show where i'm gonna let you plug some stuff i know that uh you have a podcast that everyone should be listening to and and you you do some written work yourself and you're you're a great follow on twitter so uh where can people check you out and uh, what, what should they look forward to from you? Well, I mostly write in Swedish. I just want everyone to, oh, to there, be aware I mean, of that. Google, but <laughs> Google, Google Translate is, is always yeah. great. because <laughs> No, but I'm editor-in-chief editor of a Swedish website called hockeysverige.se. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's hard to to pronounce that in English, but uh, basically means hockey Sweden. So there you have it. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ufi Bodin. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I do some stuff for uh, sometimes for the hockey news and other outlets. So yeah, well, you can find me pretty much anywhere. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a, an in-person podcast or something like that uh, in Buffalo for the draft. That would be neat. It's yes. going to be so fun going over there and meet all the, all the great hockey minds. Yeah, man, it'll be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I highly recommend everyone listening check out all your work. And, and we'll chat soon, okay? Thanks. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO Cast. Mm -hmm.